Hello, Philorians! Today we are looking at 309 on that job. Fucking magician. And magic comes from pain. Trying to tell you, you are not alone here. You love magic. Is it in your soul? Want me to come to Philorus with you? Send you an epic quest. It's just a promise, motherfucker. This is our last dance. This is ourselves. Under pressure. We finally. Under pressure. <laughs> Recording. <Yeah. laughs> Only took us two months. <laughs> Whatever. It's not like I'm in, I'm late. I just posted like episode three today. So. Yeah. How many more do you have to record? Season three is done. Uh, I have the the recap with you and Clara. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I've been starting to record season four just because I need to talk with someone. Because of the quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> Get it all out of the way. So I'm like, okay, I need to talk with people. So I'm going to record a podcast like a year in advance. You know, like you do. Uh, <laughs> at least this time, I'm going to have to see the whole show. Because while I was recording season three, I haven't. So you really? hear. Yeah. So like in the episode that we have right now, we are... We had just listened, uh, watched like three episodes and we were like saying like, it's totally, uh, the docking is totally Rupert Chatman. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> or like uh, in episode four, I'm talking with a TV critic and we were both wondering if Ayman had been uh, murdered. And now we have the answer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Danny. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm I mean, good. as good as can be in this yeah yeah as we're recording the word is on fire right now so you know mm -hmm. having fun but it's okay let's pretend it doesn't exist and let's talk about the magician instead i'm good with that yes <laughs> <laughs> um so today we're we're um we're talking about wonder and when you say that theme i'm just like that could mean anything that's the beauty of it i like i like wonder because it's either like you question yourself or you're like in awe of something mm -hmm. which um is that whole episode in a nutshell basically <laughs> <laughs> um for me wonder i'm gonna talk about the first well the time i went to uh the harry potter experience studio in london which is where you see all the props of the the movies of Harry Potter, yeah. like you take the night bus from like a a, a bus station to the place. Yeah, I, I was dying anyway. And you see the um, at the end, you see the life uh, like the shrunk down version of Hogwarts that they take to do like mm -hmm. long view and shot like that. It takes a whole room, and you walk around it. And I was like crying because like. This is Hogwarts, you know. Yeah. My husband was like, "You know, it's just it's it's just like cardboard." Shut up! It's Hogwarts. <laughs> let me like let me be in my moment right now. Like he had no like he loved Harry Potter, but he's really pragmatic, and mm -hmm. I let myself go into the the like. Let let's put out the yes, it's cardboard, and know that this is awkward for me, <laughs> and yeah, and I think that's the. That's the beauty of wonder is to be able to after it all those years um, always uh, <laughs> love still loving Harry Potter. I mean, I started to read that I was eleven, and yeah. 
I got married, I had a Harry Potter wedding, went to the Harry Potter experience in London and managed to cry in front of Hogwarts. And I think if there's no more under than that, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that would fit. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of felt that way when I went to, there's Universal Studios um, in California, and they have, like, you know, the Wizarding World. Uh, it's probably not as great as the, the one in Florida, which is supposed to be better. But, I mean, it was really cool to see all of these things. Like, you know, it was also during Christmas time, so they had it all, like, Hogwarts at Christmas time. And oh they had, like, like, choir singers with the, like, frog and everything. So it was really cool. It was a little bit too busy for me to like. I feel like have that mm-hmm. full experience, um, mm-hmm. but I can definitely see that. Let's see though, what else is wonder? I just had one and I forgot it. <laughs> I mean, pretty much any time I've ever gotten to talk to any of the actors on on the magicians feels like that honestly i i listened to your uh podcast which is physical kid weekly which i mean this is the magician podcast <laughs> basically everyone talks about and yeah. um it's, it's beautiful to hear you and and uh and clara still being like oh my god we're talking too even if you have talking to them for like four or five hours by now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i was uh i was pretty happy to have Sean McGuire on who you know plays the Dark King and I've been a fan of his for a while because he was in Once Upon a Time and so I was pretty excited about that and Clara thought it was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) you should have seen me the first time I interviewed Brittany I was a mess I bet and my husband who was there like down to hurt he's like it's just another person no okay it's fan shut up But what's what's also fun is you manage to humanize the the character without being the fangirl. Sometimes we see at cons. Yeah, it, you have to have a lot of like ability to to tone it down and, yeah. and ground yourself because they are all they mean, just normal people. Yeah, like they're just doing their job, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool, but still. Yeah. And it's after when they leave that you can scream with Clara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Is there an actor that you would li- have liked to have that you didn't got? Um, well, Summer and Trevor had both, like, booked with us and they were going to be on it. But due to, like, unforeseen complications, they both had to step away and not be on it. So it would be really great to have them on. I've definitely been saying we should have a special since and have them both on, which would just be funny because, I mean, it is their ship too. <laughs> yeah, and it, they seem to have so much fun together. They do, especially in those, like, making magic behind the scenes. It's when I saw them in the making magic that I, I understand why the writer went with shipping them. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, now I get it, and now I ship them. But <laughs> I definitely feel like it comes from definitely the two actors' chemistry behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Margot and Josh kind of remind me a lot of. You've read the books, right? Yes. Yeah. So in like, uh, the end of the Magician King and into Magician's Land, you know, Josh is married and. 
is expecting a child with Poppy. And since they totally changed the way that they went with Poppy, I feel like they're just like, well, we have to have someone. And then it just ended up being Margot because she was already a queen and king. I was scared that they would have made her pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I was so scared to have pregnant Mar- Margot. Oh, oh that's my God. terrifying. <laughs> But it would be hilarious. I think it would make for a good uh, season of TV for sure. Like we we need that spin-off. Uh. <laughs> I mean, and then a bunch of people in the fandom obviously ship them both with Fen. Mm-hmm. Which I agree. Yes. I ship Fen with everyone. Uh, but <laughs> I so- understand that. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about uh, 309, which is all that Josh. Uh, the moment I told you I wanted you to season three, you yelled at me, I want all that Josh! And I was like, okay. It's my favorite episode of that season, for sure. Well, it's the second most loved episode of the show. Before uh, The first one is The Life of the Day. So. Is it really? I feel like people don't really mention the episode itself as much as they, they mention Under Pressure. As I think that's why. Yeah. But honestly, like rewatching it, holy shit, I agree with you. It's one, I think it's in my top three. Like, it's yeah. such a good episode. Yeah. And there is so much, like, we, I think we, that leads, this leads us to season four and season five. This is the episode that leads us to what's that? What's coming? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we start, we need to uh, recap everything in 30 seconds. Are you ready to try? <laughs> Let's see. I'm gonna give you a starter. Ready? So let's see. There's a demon Todd that's not Todd, and he has a pocket world which has Josh in it, and then they get sent to that pocket world, which is Alice, Quentin, and Katie, and then they have to find the key, and to be able to get the key, they have to unify themselves. Yeah, unify themselves, and then they sing under pressure. <laughs> well, which is which is yeah, basically was the. <laughs> I'm gonna try to uh, continue this. Go. Uh, there's also uh, Julia that is like, I want to help the fairies, and Fanny's like, Fuck no, I hate them. So she mm-hmm. used the key and. She tried to convince Kai that she can do music, uh, music bah, magic, and then Finn is like, "Yo, the fairy magic is not like human magic. You should try something else." And then she almost killed uh, Sky, and Julia used her goddess power for the first time. And then she started to sing, and Finn doesn't know why, which is really fun. And uh, they all become friends. <laughs> the ending was not true. Uh- <laughs> I think. The only thing that we missed is that it is the last episode where Penny Forty is in the group. <gasps> You're right. And um, Elliot and Margot almost die, but the Muntjac saves them. Oh yeah, we should tell that. You know that they decide they're dead and everything, and fucked it. I wonder if this episode had happened, like, say, like in season four or five if mm-hmm. Fen would have been included in the group singing I think so I think Fen needed to save the fairy and have her own quest mm-hmm. and discover she can be something else than Elliot's wife 
Yeah, and she's definitely been figuring that out a lot more in season four and season five. Oh, the episode starts with uh, Quentin wondering if Harriet and uh, Victoria survived the mirror around. Yeah. Which is one kind of wondering, which is questioning. And we know what happened to Harriet. We never learned what happened to Victoria, right? My assumption would either be that she did unfortunately get stuck there. Especially because she was stuck more like on the in-between plane. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think it had more to do with the fact that the actress who plays Victoria is on another show. Yeah. <laughs> so a bit like Irene, why we stopped seeing her. Yeah. I think. Because <laughs> she was a good villain. Um, yeah, Irene is... I mean, the McAllisters in general is something that's just forever looming in the background. That's why I was surprised it was not her as the couple in season five. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I have a lot of feeling about the couple, but that's going to be for season five. (laughs) 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 Um, And then uh, the books start to shake and Quentin kind of do like a, here we go. He kind of lost the sense of wonder of like, oh, I'm on a quest on a boat, you know? Yeah. And and that's so true to Quentin as a character he kind of falls in and out of being like in love with magic and kind of begrudging it yeah he's, he's kind of sometimes he go blase about it I remember in the first book I think at one point he questioned uh oh yeah it's the when the the beast attacked and he's questioning the the, the teacher about circumstances and the way he's, he's like oh whatever I don't care Dude, you're studying magic. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of, he's just always been that person that's just like, no matter what he has, like, it's just not enough mm-hmm. until I feel like the end. And then, yeah. And then we'll I mean, cry. he finally realizes it. Yeah. Well, at least he did. True. <laughs> um, do you have a reason why Katie gets sick from uh, from holding the true key? Because she uh, she takes it to try to find Penny because she thinks she doesn't know that Penny's stuck in the underworld right now, and she gets sick every time she takes it, and she's the only one that gets that sick. She's the only one that gets that sick. I mean, it makes them all sick, but yeah. I think it's because she doesn't want to know the truth. Like, she's mm-hmm. rejecting it. Kind of like how, you know, uh, if you try to lie when the, like, lasso from Wonder Woman is around you, it hurts. Mm, yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense. And, and she's in the this kind of denial that no pain is okay right now. So mm-hmm. he's not. And uh, then uh, the, the book opened to this magic uh, music from medieval and even if alice is like alice and quentin are fighting actually fighting i'm like are you with the library i don't want to trust you blah 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 alice cannot resist the mystery like she needs to look at the book she needs to see it and i love that despite alice trying to not be herself she cannot resist it yeah (laughs) she's a bit like julia in solving things like she is they're very similar um which is obviously why quentin was in love with both of them at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very similar. I just saw a man. That season's rough when it comes to Alice. I I have a lot more empathy for Alice now that I understand her arc. 
I knew that I knew that she was lost the whole time. I never was mad of what she did at the end. I got yeah. it, but I I still like girl. You need help. Please accept it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, <laughs> the whole her destroying the keys thing. I think you know it sucked, and like I was mad at her, but it's just like at the same time, it's like she didn't do anything that any of the other people like haven't already done like all the characters have done something that's so just like kind of unforgivable at some point mm-hmm. the only thing I'm, I'm kind of bitter is it, it removed goddess julia which i wished we were gonna have seen a bit more yeah uh, but um i think they didn't put her back because otherwise a lot of problem of season four and five would have been solved with goddess julia <laughs> that is true and also, like, it kind of gave her um, this just ability to, to grow even more. I mean, I'll always be bitter that she didn't at least get her powers back at the end. But um, obviously, like, if, if they did that, either they would, yeah, like, she would solve everything right away. Or it would be mean that Julia is just not in the show anymore. Yeah. I, I truly thought that Penny had decided to keep her... Her, her power and they didn't told her and her power never not back I was hoping that at the end of season 4 not what happened but oh well yeah true um then uh, Alice and and, and, and uh, Katie are bickering of what, what kind of magic and Alice is kind of judgmental of Katie knowing music which okay girl but she said like, "Oh no, don't don't like don't judge my mom. She was doing a burlesque because she was good." And I think it's the only time we hear Katie talk positively about her mom. Yeah, it's pretty rare. And it just shows how much like she appreciated that gesture mm-hmm. of like because we know all the bad things that she did for Katie, so it's beautiful to see that moment of like, and we're gonna see her use that skill that her mom she saw her mom do. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you need is the girl and uh, the boy the girl is the real version anyway um, and then <laughs> the, honestly it's one of my favorite songs of the show it's uh, Wham Bam with Josh and if we want to talk about Wonder do you wonder what the fuck is happening right now <laughs> that was pretty weird because out of all the characters that I feel like would be stuck in a musical, Josh is the last one that would come to mind. That's the thing. Like, why do you think that is that Josh? Like, the Josh, the word is built built for Josh. So, what's the musical part too? Maybe it's kind of just like cinematic. Like, I know he's obsessed with movies. Maybe he likes. Oh. Probably both musicals and movies. Because it's very cinematic, especially with all the pictures of him everywhere. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the, the cottage is, like, joshified. Yeah. The fucking- Which is funny, because it's like, why is he in the physical kid's cottage when he's not a physical kid? That's what a question I had. Like, like uh, I understand Quentin staying, staying there when there's no magic and uh, he's not at Brickville. It's like his first home where he felt where he belonged. Josh? I don't know if it's maybe just a nod to the fact he's a physical kid in the books or if it just happens to be that, like, you know, they just really don't have the ability to make another set. 
I think it's dad. <laughs> I think it was or dad. Or you could think of it as the demon is also emulating Todd, and Todd is a physical kid, so maybe that's where that comes from. That was one of the questions I had for you. Why do you think the demon chose Todd? I, I mean, that's something I've wondered forever, but mm. obviously it's probably more of the fact that they just wanted Todd back on the show, um, yes. <laughs> which is usually yeah. their reason for writing him in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I always felt like Josh and, and Todd were, were friends, at least mm. smoke buddies. Yeah, I think, it, well, we see a, just providing a, a cake, like for Josh, uh, for uh, Todd at one point when the Quentin get high in season two. Yeah. So maybe he's like his pusher or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always like imagined that they're, they're pretty, pretty good friends because they're both just kind of like on the outsides of, mm-hmm. of the group. Um, I, I did think it was funny and I've always thought this, like, I, I feel like Todd is bisexual and I've always like oh, yeah. had in him that way but it's funny because josh who is like a thousand percent like straight like i think he would have a relationship with like two women but i don't think he would ever have a relationship with a man but it's funny because in that episode todd when he comes up to him even though it's demon todd says like what's up my brother and then josh is just like not my dick and it made me think like that like Todd has hit on him before or something. Mm, oh, I like it. Well, maybe Todd is bisexual, just not bi-romantic. Yeah, he might be. But I think Todd is definitely bi. Mm, yeah, no, I could see that. Honestly, the more you say it, yeah, I'm gonna uh, be with you on that head cannon. <laughs> he was really um, into that uh, that Greek role play. Oh my god, it was way too much in it. <laughs> And he loved serving way too much. That's another story. Um, <laughs> but what, what's funny is while Josh is singing, they don't know, like no none of uh, Katie, Alice, or Quentin wonder the fact that there's a musical number. It's more like what the fuck is happening, but it's not about the musical number. And I feel in season one they would have questioned the musical number. Yeah, and it's never like mentioned that. Okay, you just sang like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's something that they like to use at their disposal. Like, it's funny. Like, the first musical moment was kind of more, like, normal. Mm-hmm. But then all the other ones, it's like they came up with a spell for it to happen or a, a circumstance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after that... um. Katie just doesn't want any of it. And she's like, whatever is it, I don't have time. And you see, like, her sense of priority took over her sense of wonder because she just said how much she loved music. Mm-hmm. And she witnessed a musical. And she's like, I don't give a F. I need to find Penny. Which I think, like, says a lot about how much she was worried. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they do a small magic with the weed. And you said, uh, and you say like, oh, uh, like you see them like just doing, being able to do magic with the, the smoke. How, how much is a wonder for them, which before was like whatever. Yeah. I they, think it. Go ahead. I felt like it brings them back to the first season, and they they just remember, you know, when they were 
in the cottage and they were just so in love with all the spells that they could do like all the party magic and party tricks yeah like i remember uh, in, at the beginning of the season three when julia is just able to do the spark quentin said like it may be the smallest magic but that's the only magic we have which is the biggest then and i think this shows this moment of like no it's not nothing even if it's just party trick like that's cool yeah and i also love that Josh is kind of lost in the wonder of the place being tailored for him that and like with magic and with everything he needs because we saw it at the beginning of the season it, it tells Julia like magic was the one thing I was good at uh-huh so like that and like you see like what he needs he needs magic and he needs people appreciating him because yeah. that's what it's not about the veneration it's not about the party it's about people having fun with him and like including him mm-hmm It's not really about the part. I th that's something I, I realize more and more. Analyzing Josh, he's uh, the party aspect of him is such a front. Oh yeah, I mean just like Elliot, his his like party persona is just a mask for all the vulnerability and the insecurity of the world. Yeah. And I never noticed, but Todd is kind of a barometer of the fun vibe that there is in the house. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like, when it starts to get down, he's getting sleepy. Yeah. Uh, but when uh, one of uh, when they do the magic trick, like, you know, an appreciation and the vibe is getting higher. And I never noticed, but, and, and that's it. I'm like, oh, that's the sign that it's the demon. Like, we should have picked up on that. <laughs> I mean, I figured it was not actually Todd. I was like, mm. since like the second that he he showed up, I was just like, mm. yeah, no, but it, it made no sense. <laughs> the way he was talking was untaught. Yeah. Um. Then we cut to Finn, who um basically say no to Julia to continue the investigation of magic, and she refused to question things out of grief. And I wonder. Let's say the, the fairy queen wouldn't have killed her baby and she would just have been on earth with mm -hmm. the, what the fairy did. Would that she still refused to help out of like spite? I, I couldn't see Fen doing that. Yeah. Like, she just isn't a spiteful person. Yeah, when she's spiteful, we're surprised at that. Yeah, and I feel like it fades away pretty quickly, usually. Like, I don't think she would continue to be spiteful. Like, I think she would at first be upset or, like, make a comment, but then quickly be like, okay, well, I'm going to help you out. So her refusing to question thing is like, no, I, I want to be mad. Like, don't let me get sw sw swiped up in your quest because I'm going to forgive them and I don't want to. Mm -hmm. oh, I like that. Uh, then we have the, the moment with Elliot and Margot where they get tossed uh, salad and stuff by their um, follower. And they said uh, trial by wombat. No, I meant trial by combat. Which uh, just as a reminder that Margot read Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> Margot's such a nerd. I love her. She is a nerd. <laughs> But I love how like Tick tried to put wonder in the fact that they're gonna die, 
like a good news you can find how you die and you're like is that good news dude Take but at the, at the same time was he happy He was happy because he was going to be able to take over. Mm. Tick was, is always just funny. He's like, you just never quite trust him. I, I knew he would have crushed them at some point. Like from the moment he started, I was like, that guy's going to <laughs> crush them at some point. Yeah. Still mad that he did. But, uh, and then we go back to Quentin. We do like a spell to fill out back. Uh, his drink and he said like oh my god it feels good uh which is funny because he just spent a lifetime in fillery with elliot doing magic in the place we could do magic and yet he acts like he never had magic well what the like writers and stuff have said about a life in the day is that like at the end of it they remember it but they don't remember it after that the only reason that um elliot does remember it is because he sees it in his mind and mm -hmm. then when he steps out and he says that it's just like a trigger word for quentin so it's like he temporarily remembers that moment but i don't think that they like always remember all the details So Elliot knows the details because he got to see it again in his mm. mind. So maybe they still have the feeling of it, but not like what happened exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. But that makes sense because otherwise they would have exploded. Yeah, it's like a whole separate <laughs> timeline. <laughs> yeah, but we see their maturity and we see it in Quentin in, in after uh, episode five, how much he grew as a person and how Elliot too grew and like how more caring he is or when like Julia get pregnant he's like so excited about it yeah I feel like in general like in season five Elliot grew so much just mm -hmm. having lost Quentin and then you know allowing himself to be closer to everyone else because of it yeah like he's like Allowing himself to grieve with other is new. Because before, when he grieved, what he did with Mike was just wanting to kill himself. Yeah. Um, and speaking of maturity, like when Quentin say, okay, like we're stuck in the physical kid cottage and Josh is singing, whatever, you see it as a quest and not as like, he, he doesn't panic. He's like, okay, we're going to figure something out. And I think season one, Quentin would have panicked the hell out of it. Yeah, he probably would have panicked, for sure. Mm -hmm. I also, but uh, speaking of panicking, Alice is singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, she's the one that remember, okay, you and understand the rules of the play that you have to sing a song and kind of use it as a weapon against the other, but why Happy Birthday? Probably just, like, it's a party and it's, like, the first thing that came to her mind. <laughs> And uh, then we're going to see Katie say, oh, I have an idea. And she say, uh, thank you, dear old mom. And first, Jade is like just amazing in this, in this number. And I'm happy that we saw burlesque as what burlesque is. And not what Hollywood wants us to think 
are less kids. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend that do it professionally. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So when I, uh, I, and I hate her, like she got a baby and then could start back like two months after. <laughs> like yeah. went back to her line and I was like, I hate you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, it's the, it's not like all, um, it was sexualized, but it's not at the same time. Like it's a form of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love how like everyone is like in awe of uh, Katie when she's saying like, Boys and girls are falling in love. <laughs> yeah. I wish they didn't change the name, the song to keep it as all you need is the girl. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, and then Josh don't, doesn't even like question Alice wanting to like fuck him. No. Why? <laughs> I feel like Josh is surprisingly a stud. I feel like he has sexual relationships with a lot of people. So for him, he's just like, sure, why not? But the thing is, he doesn't even like wonder if this is a trick, knowing that they just arrived. Is he like just so wrapped into his world that he just, whatever. I like- feel like he is very much just kind of lost in there because like it seems like he's been in there for a while from what it sounded like when yeah a couple months yeah um uh, i don't think i feel like he doesn't remember every day either you know it's like he doesn't know how long he's actually been in there and so it's like i feel like at the start of the day it's just like a new it's probably wiped clean and he starts a new day so like in his mind he probably didn't think of it as like oh they just showed up for the first time and oh like it's just day one it's still still yeah. day one for it yeah no that makes sense because uh we see that a bit with elliot also that like when he party in season five that all the day blurs yeah at one point it's just a well-known party yeah um and then uh and then they basically judge snap and says like you never like wondered about me after i texted you and he said uh, quentin tried to like kind of uh cover himself saying like oh you you left us and i like this sentence of uh, it was a uh, cowardice not indifference because josh is really self-aware that what it is was bad mm-hmm. but this is the i think the contrary with season one and two Josh's he didn't want that to have that quest didn't want to get like involved and in this one he say hey I want to get involved but they refused them yeah they just wouldn't really respect him and I I think it's funny because at the end of the episode though Julia's like hey dude I tried to text you and he's like <laughs> so he's just as shitty of a friend as they've all been to him yeah like he was blaming him of not texting them but like julia tried but mm-hmm. it was not julia that he probably wanted a text from it was quentin because julia technically for josh is just a hedge yeah he's only known her for a little bit but they did have that deep conversation in the first episode of season three well, this is the conversation that made me love josh yeah i think that's when a lot of people started to appreciate josh 
I always liked Josh, but I feel like it comes from a bias of having read the books beforehand. But in season one and two, I was like, okay, this is not the Josh of the books. Like, you have to accept, okay, this is not Poppy of the books. Or this is not, like, you have, uh, Margot is not Janet. Like, you have to accept that. So that's how I, I have seen Josh. Okay, it's not Josh from the book. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, the further you go in the seasons, like, in the series, like, I feel like Josh does become a lot more like how he was mm-hmm. in the books. Yeah, and I think uh, I think putting him as a main character helped. Yeah. Because it's easy, like, to... It's easy not to deepen a character when you don't see them a lot, a.k.a. Todd. Yeah. I have a lot of feeling about Todd. Uh, uh, yeah, don't we all? <laughs> I, I'm talking to the right person. <laughs> um, and then I, I like that there's this whole party and people are, are partying and then there's a straight cut and we go to like, oh, Margo and Elliot are dying. Like yeah. there's this like, oh yeah, fun, fun party. Or, oh no, there's other thing happening right now in the world. Mm. Um, and then we see uh, uh, I'm about to call him Dick. <laughs> Dick. Betrayal. <laughs> yeah. And um, he said to the man Jack, like, oh, I'm gonna, like, here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, are we alive? And then the man Jack creeped, and he was like, yay, and he leaves. How, how did he know that the man Jack didn't say, like, fuck you, I'm saving Margot? Maybe the man Jack hadn't decided that it would yet. Oh, I'm still not sure what made Demon Jack took Margot. Well, I know that she was kind of pleading to it because she's just like, you know, I saved you from getting boat assaulted. Mm-hmm. So she was like kind of pleading to it. And like, I think that eventually it kind of just saved them. For me, that I think what the real reason is um, Margot and Elliot talking to each other for real, mm-hmm. and Margot said like, "Hey, we fixed things for a hot second, but we did, and like we're trying our best." And you see the love between each other. Like she even makes Elliot laugh, which is like a big deal. <laughs> and I yeah. think that I think the Monjack saw humanity in Margot and Elliot. Yeah. Well, she saw manipulation in Tick. Yeah. Like maybe she was still deciding when Margot did her, did her uh, her speech, and then she saw them saying like, um, "I love you, Margot. I know," which is really funny because it's a Star Wars quote, and we just told uh, Josh is all about quoting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they match each other. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and then we, we cut back to Margot, uh, to uh, Julia and Finn, where um, Finn is trying to show uh, Sky to, how to do magic and to make her do tots. And Finn has kind of no wonder with the idea of magic because she grew up in it. Mm-hmm. Magic is just a thing for her. And I think that's why she is able to tell Julia, no, that's not the, that's not the right kind of magic you're using. Yeah. And I feel... Fan understand magic in a way they will never do. Yeah, because it's just like organic matter to her. Yeah, like we laughed about it when in season two when she's like, I don't know what uh, manure is. Uh, not manure. What manure? 
whatever when they didn't couldn't grow stuff because they didn't have magic and Elliot fixed it. But I think like she saw her dad do magic all the time. And she like carried an enchanted blade for Elliot. So she understands magic, but not in the an academical way. Or not in an earthly way. I always thought that was kind of weird that her father was a magician, but she is not. I don't think he's a magician. I think um, I have. I wrote the Harry Potter, uh, the Harry Potter, the 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 magician D and D book, and I had to ask myself this question of how did he make? And I think there are some uh, Philorian that are able to um, gather magic and like put it in spells and in enchantment, but cannot use it. Hmm. A bit like we gather water and make it do electricity. Yeah. But we cannot use electricity. <laughs> At least that's how I see it. Like them just uh, gathering a resource that they had. Yeah, like uh, they're using fillery to do magic, like the yeah. trees and the water. and. Yeah. But, uh, but you need knowledge to do that. Like it's not something everyone can do. Mm-hmm. And orphan i hope patriarchy is not a thing in the new fillery uh i would think that they would try to make that not happen knowing that margo and and the fan created it i don't think so (laughs) i'm curious i've always been curious uh, ever since we finished the series if fen would be able to do magic on this new world because I feel like just the the surge of the magic, because how powerful it was, I feel like it would also make more magicians. I like that. Oh, and I like the idea of doing magic. Let's say yes. All right, canon is now yes. <laughs> but also, I, I was talking with that with, I think, Jasper in one of the episodes, how Fen has her own kind of magic. She has the kind of magic of like talking down and talking sense into them sometimes. Mm-hmm. That she go she go reach into them in part that not even fog can. Yeah. And I think like that's her magic. Very human. Yeah. I was asking why do you think Margot didn't say to Elliot what, uh, that she loved him? This was like the moment to tell her. I feel like she's just the kind of person that's just kind of like, like, doesn't want to say it out loud. She rarely does, and she's just kind of like, "Well, if you know, mm-hmm. I love you. You should, you should know," because she rarely says it. Like she's never even. I don't think she's told Josh to his face that she loves him. Yeah, I was about to ask, and <laughs> I don't think either. I mean, he doesn't even really say it. He says, like, you're the love of my life to her, even though she can't actually hear him. And she tells other people that she loves him, but she's never said it to him as far as I'm, as we've seen. Maybe, like, well, it, it goes a bit in the season four when she's in the desert, how she say like, she has a problem saying I love you. Mm-hmm. Or, like, showing affection to the person because of her dad. Yeah. Um, so much question about Margot's past. So much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, 
Tick is uh, is telling Margot and Elliot how like he was entitled to the throne more than them. Mm-hmm. But the way he talk about it, he's entitled to like he, he say like oh you're entitled and you shouldn't have the throne, but I should have it and I'm entitled to it. I don't understand his logic there. I think his logic is the fact that they haven't had a king and queen in Fillory in a really, really long time. So his family has been running the castle and, like, everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it comes from. His family is, like, they were the caretakers of the castle. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it comes from. Just, like, they had to have been ruling it solo for at least 20 years. Yeah. So. What is ju- just surprising is um, after that, they keep tick was is only a reason. Uh, I totally say it's uh, the only reason. It's because uh, they love the actor. Because there's no reason Marco and Elliot would keep it a betrayer. It's probably something like that. He's also like a big family. It seems like in Fillory, so maybe they just feel like if they like were to cast him out that maybe the Philorians wouldn't be very happy about it. Yeah, that's the thing, because we see that another Pickwick is with uh, the Dark King after. Yes. So I was wondering how did the Pickwick manage to bring themselves back in the good grace? But when you think that Fenn and Josh got hanger, here's my answer. Um, (laughs) And then uh, when uh, and after uh, let's say uh, oh I love you and everything, it's the first time that Margot's gonna show fear, like she's gonna go in his arm, and I think she need like it, we rarely see Margot freak out in this in this show. Mm-hmm. And what I think I just realized that this is what you were saying about like I'm gonna show you my love, is I'm gonna show that I can be vulnerable with you. Yeah, and. I mean, her vulnerable moments have always been her best. Like, her being vulnerable is the whole thing that set off uh, the threesome happening in season one. Mm -hmm. Because she opened up to Quentin and basically did that same thing. Kind of just, like, went into his arms. And then everything happened. (laughs) And then freaked out that she opened them. So I'm like, I'm gonna fuck him. (laughs) Margo. You're right, and I think Quentin and Josh are the only others that she's going to be vulnerable in front. Nope, Fen too. Yeah, Fen too. Because Fen is her girlfriend, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and then we go back to um to the to the the cottage where uh, they explain to Josh like. Yo, this isn't real. Stop saying it's real. Because just oh, the whole time was like, no, magic is back. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm in. And I think he kind of lost the wonder of the place when he realized that, when he admitted to himself what it is. Yeah, for sure. Because he's like, oh, I'm going to pretend. But the moment they speak to each other, he snaps. And he's like, get out of my head. I was happy that before. Yeah. And uh, I, I just like how Quentin, the first reaction he had when he saw the key was, don't touch it. It hurt me once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Babies are learning from his mistake. <laughs> but I, I'm just surprised how quick everyone is 
is accepting of okay we're hearing each other now yeah they were kind of just like what the fuck but then just like yeah whatever like uh, julia even say like hey guys i just i just almost killed a fairy hi <laughs> she was like and frozen it, actually she is frozen in time when it happened yeah and and, she, and like she explained everything and then she say hi I, it's just weird and it's just show how what was wondrous in season one is kind of not anymore mm-hmm. it's like the new normal yeah um but I, I love how, like, Quentin was saying, uh, on, we go to the under pressure moment. And I, it took me this episode to understand why Quentin used it. Because uh, Josh basically say, uh, I'm nobody, even my brother sold, gave my ticket to see David Bowie um, mm-hmm. to someone else. And I was like, okay, that's a sour moment, but I think it's the moment of like, no, we're gonna go into the crowd and pick you up like Bowie did. Uh-huh. That moment. And that's the moment where he's gonna sing a love uh, brings you together, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you cry. Um <laughs> I in in th- this uh, this whole sequence is just perfect, if you want my opinion. Um I still love the face of Finn when Julia just starts singing. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah, but she's like frozen, so she can like only move her eyes, I think. Yeah. Um, and in the, in, the, in, the sing, in the songs, they have a couple of like hints that I like that are like what's happening to them. Like uh, we see uh, Elliot uh, sing uh, Split a Family in Two. Mm-hmm which we know that he basically refused Quentin and refused to be in the family he was, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, we see uh, Pray Tomorrow, Get Me Higher, just before the Munjack flies. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite moments is uh, uh, Julia singing, that's the terror of knowing what the world is about while using her God power because all her story with gods is that it's the terror of knowing, of knowing what the world is about is her having the raw deal of the world basically yeah it's just um also why no- nobody's wondering why penny starts singing in the middle of the library yeah <laughs> I mean, i'm sure they've seen weirder yep <laughs> um and then we see finally the demon that was done and he said, uh, oh, the one who gave me the key told me uh, it will be nice, but now I'm full bubble. Who, is he talking about Prometheus? Uh, that would be my assumption. I know that when I watched the episode and we, we like made a podcast for it, I think, I think at the time we were like, is it Hades? Because they hadn't shown mm-hmm. Hades again yet. Um, and he does run the underworld, but I think it is Prometheus since we do meet him in the show. Mm-hmm. Kind of. We see past version of him. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I had for my notes. Did you have anything else for your notes? I don't think so. All right. Well, we're going to do. Uh, Lecture Divina, 
Um, I sent you an explanation, but I'm going to uh, re-explain what it is. Lectio Divina is a way to read sacred text, which is a way to really read like the Bible and the Torah that was um, adapted by a podcast called Harry Potter and the Secret Text, who is reading Harry Potter and try to find meaning beyond what is written. So uh, here we analyze the script. We take one sentence and we're going to dig into it. First step, we're going to read it and say what it, what happened, simply. After that, we're going to see a story that it reminds us, then what it reminds us in our life, and what we feel called for. So the sentence I'm going to take at random is, um, whatever is it, it is, whatever this is, I don't have time. So uh, step one is what's literally happening when this is said. What is happening is Katie says that she doesn't have time because she needs to find Penny. So she's pretty upset. Yes. Uh, Does this remind you of a story of a legend? Whatever this is, I don't have time. I mean, I feel like it's something I've heard before. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've felt that that way at work when I've when I've worked before in like retail and stuff. It's just like something crazy oh happens, and you're just like, I don't have time for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if I go in, into story, I. I, I'm reading Harry Potter right now, <laughs> so I'm thinking he's Harry Potter related. But um, in in the sixth book, Dumbledore realized that he doesn't have a lot of time and he's surviving. Mm-hmm. He's about to die, so he give everything Harry needs to know to get to his quest. Of, and it reminds me of that moment of like whatever like is happening to me, I don't care. We don't have time, mm-hmm. so I won't explain anything to Harry because I'm Dumbledore. Yeah, especially when he's like in the the cave and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you said uh, what it reminded you in your life of uh, customer service and uh, other craziness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what do you feel called for when you think about whatever is this? I don't have time. What do I feel? What called for? For me. Like thinking of like how Dumbledore treated it and how Katie treated what she had to do to find Penny was to fix what she had in mind. And Dumbledore needed to tell more, to have more time to tell everything to Harry, but couldn't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like when we caught up in retail and we're like, I don't have time for this bullshit, I think sometimes it's to, for me, I feel called to stop and take the time. Yeah. Definitely. Usually, you kind of have to, in almost every situation, you kind of have to deal with it and and make the time. Mm-hmm. So instead of being bitter about it, just embrace it. Because mm-hmm. I think it's when Katie is like, okay, whatever, and, and do um, her musical number that like things are actually goes into actions. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think she realizes, like, they're just going to be stuck there, and then she really can't find Penny if she's stuck there, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah.
the last thing is uh, the, the vase and the flower, which is an expression my grandma used to say, uh, which is you don't give the vase and the flower at the same time. You don't give a backhanded compliment, such as you're useful for Josh. <laughs> so we give a, a, a vase to someone that eh, needs a kind of a thumb down, could have done better in the show, uh, in the episode, and a, a flower to someone that did something good in the episode. So do you want to start? Do you want me to do it? You can I'm start. Gonna... I'm going to have to think about it. <laughs> I'm going to give my... Um... going to give my, my, my flower to Quentin for using a song that was meaningful for Josh, that was like a bad memory for Josh, mm -hmm. and turned it to a unifying moment. And I think now that when he's gonna hear under pressure, he won't think of like how his brother betrayed him. Yeah. But how um, his friend saved him of a demon. You know? Welcome yeah. to the magician. <laughs> and I'm gonna give a flower uh, vase to. Tick. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. That's funny. Let's see. <laughs> Let's give a flower to Julia for taking initiative mm. in the quest. Separate quest. And let's see. I think I would give the vase to Katie because she really wasn't too much of a help there. Yeah, no. She what I think Katie and Julia both have like side quests, but Julia was able to put her aside the moment they needed her, and Katie was not. Mm -hmm. She really didn't have her heart in it until she heard Penny's voice. Yeah. I it's still just, don't know. It's just kind of sad that, like, how reliant she is on that relationship. I'm happy that she snapped out of it, and that's something that I've been talking while recording we're starting to record season four so she's sam and she needed to be sam to realize she can be her own woman yeah she definitely grew a lot after yeah. that happened well uh that was it thank you very much to join me we finally did it yes. <laughs> uh is there anything you would like to plug before we leave your podcast your twitter your other project well don't have any other projects going on, but of course, Physical Kids Weekly, listen to that if you haven't already. At Physical Amazing. Kids Pod is the Twitter handle, and mine is at Hedgewitches if you want to follow me. If you, if don't. you want to scream about Todd, she's there for you. Yes. <laughs> and, and in fact, I think you were the first one that called that Seb was the Dark King. The Todd was the Dark King? No, Seb. Seb? Oh, yeah. I was the first. Yeah. That he was uh, Rupert and everything. You were the first. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> I actually had that theory back in December, technically, because that's when uh, we had watched the episodes. The first three. Oh, my God. You had watched it really early? Yeah. So we got the first few episodes of the season, like, really early. And then... Um, we didn't get like the next batch of them until like right before it aired. So oh it's God. really, it's really like back and forth. 
fun for a podcast that aired the same night as. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to well, uh, I, I will let you go. Good luck in the in the pod. What, what will you do now that the show is over in the podcast? I mean, we have a couple specials that we still want to get to. Um, we have a couple of them planned already, but um, other than that, I mean, Clara and I are trying to find something else to potentially podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one sure thing is uh, if you want to fall in love uh, with the show while, uh, while you watch it, you listen to Physical Kid. That's part of why I fell in love with the show. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, have a good night. You too. Thank you for having good. me. Yeah, good luck with the self-isolation and shit. You too. <laughs> I'm going to get wine. <laughs> this has been Philorian United. Thanks again for Danny to join us. And if you want to follow her or listen to our podcast or follow the podcast, all the info is in the show notes. We also want to thank everyone that has been re-listening the show while doing uh, the Magic and Shill, uh, which is Brittany Curran and Jake Taylor re-watching The Magician every Wednesday. And uh, we've been trying to say like, hey, uh, listen to our, our episode at the same time, and a lot of you have, so thank you very much. If you want to support us so we continue to do the show, just go on Coffee. it's ko-fi.com dash united and for only $3 you can help us do the show and now for the secret at the end of the episode apparently Jade Taylor had dabbled a bit in burlesque so she was happy to show it up on television and honestly we like it too